Welcome to Teach Musically, the music studio teacher's resource for business and pedagogy solutions. My name is Michelle. And I'm Leanne. A studio policy is a document that explains all the rules and regulations you set for your studio for things such as payment, expectations for students, and studio etiquette. The concept of creating and enforcing a studio policy is not a new one. They are one of the most important ways to protect yourself and to set expectations for your studio. A policy helps to command respect for your time and expertise. With experience, we have learned that the more detailed you can be in your policy, the better. It is to your advantage to consider all possible scenarios you may encounter in terms of payment, makeup lessons, etiquette, and how you deal with them. If you're listening and feeling a little bit panicked because you don't yet have a studio policy and aren't sure what to include, don't worry, we have you covered. You can go ahead and listen to episode 10 called How to Create an Effective Studio Policy for all of our advice. Michelle, why do you think it's so important to have a strong studio policy right from the beginning of your relationship with a new client? I think it's important because it sets the tone for your entire relationship. It shows them that you are professional and expects to be respected. In any type of business, policies are standard, so there is no reason why your music teaching business should not have a policy too. Exactly. I truly believe that we teach people how to treat us. They'll treat us the way that we let them. Therefore, if you firmly yet kindly enforce your policies, you're setting a firm boundary. Having said all that, rules are meant to be broken at times. Even though policies are important, we have to remember that the clients are human beings and we are trying to build lasting relationships with them. That means we have to put our policy to the wayside and make exceptions. The tricky part is knowing when to stick to your policy and when to let it slide. Absolutely, and I think this is probably something we've experienced in our personal lives as customers of other businesses. As an example, let's say I was a regular customer at a local coffee shop. I went in almost every day and purchased coffee and maybe some kind of snack. They know me by name and I've been a loyal customer for over a year. When one day I leave the store and spill my coffee all over myself. How sad. I go back in and tell them what happened. Do you think they'll give me a new one on the house? (laughs) You didn't really sound that sad, but yes, because you've been a loyal customer for so long and they've gotten to know you personally, this is the perfect opportunity for them to reward you for your loyalty and to keep you coming back. The cost of one single coffee on the house is so insignificant compared to your ongoing business for years to come. Exactly. Now, if a brand new customer went in and spilled their coffee, would they get a new one? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. The store, they have to have some kind of boundaries to avoid being taken advantage of. This type of situation is a great parallel to private music teaching. Once a client has earned your trust, has shown loyalty, and has demonstrated respect for your policies, I think it is appropriate to bend the rules now and again. Let's get into some specifics. I think one of the most common areas that can cause conflict between teacher and client is makeup lessons and rescheduling policies. Teachers with full studios know that it is important to be strict in this area simply because we don't have the time or space to regularly reschedule students. Not only that, but rescheduling students costs a lot of extra administrative time. I think that it is important to be as strict as possible in this area in the first year of working with a new client. We need to set a clear expectation and boundary. I agree completely. After they have been my student for a year, I'm opening to rescheduling, but very occasionally. At this point, though, the parent will see rescheduling as a favor to them, and they will be very grateful that you've made this exception. On the other hand, if you start out the relationship by accommodating every single request 
and then later try to enforce your rules, you'll be met with a lot of backlash. Yes, it's definitely easier to start strict and then loosen up a little bit. What are some exceptions that you've made recently in this area? I have one student who I've taught for almost five years now. They pretty much never miss class and they always take lessons through the whole summer. This year they asked for two weeks off to go on a family trip. After the tough pandemic and their years of loyalty, I was okay with giving them two weeks off without payment. Even though I take a small loss here, I know that they appreciate it a lot and they're going to continue to be long-term students. In a way, by giving them this favor, I feel I've nurtured their relationship. And of course, everyone deserves a vacation now and then. On the other hand, if there are families that take frequent vacations, I know I need to be more strict or I'm going to end up losing hundreds or thousands of dollars of income over the course of the relationship. Do you ever make any exceptions in this area? I don't think I have a say in when or how often my students' vacations are as it's their business. The only thing I can do is draw a boundary. If I'm losing money or feeling like their level of dedication doesn't match what I would want in my students, then I let them know I'm no longer the teacher for them. I do, however, make exceptions for makeup lessons. When I have a positive, long-standing relationship with students who have paid on time and come to class prepared, then I'll be more accommodating and understanding with makeup lessons. We're all human and things happen and should be given grace. It's definitely a fine line and unfortunately our generosity can quickly be taken advantage of if we're not careful. This reminds me of a former student who asked to reschedule constantly because the parent was actually double booking this child. They would ask to reschedule at least once or twice a month and when I said no, they would simply just not pay me for the lesson. I felt really manipulated and taken advantage of. Even when I reiterated my policy, this parent would just smile and kind of talk her way out of it. It was so frustrating and I eventually let the student go and the parent was so shocked. Yes, there are definitely some parents like this who will just push and push. This is the type of client that we need to be very careful of and not make any exceptions. With experience, you will get better at identifying who these people are and how to best handle them, which at times could just be letting them go as you did, Leanne. Okay, let's go into another scenario, which is late payments and late fees. How strict are you in this area? Do you ever give any leeway here? I'm fairly strict about late fee payments because, to be honest, I don't even want to charge it or engage in the conflict. So I give myself and my students a strict three strikes rule. First, all my clients sign the studio policy, which discloses the late fee. The first time they pay late, I simply remind them that they've forgotten to submit the lesson fee. The second time they pay late, I remind them about the late fee and that I will charge the next time they pay late within the academic year. And finally, for the third time, if they pay late, then I'll actually add the late fee. I keep a paper trail of all these interactions, and I think that is really important. Most parents are apologetic and never get past the first round, so I'm lucky that I have this three strikes plan. Only once have I actually had to charge one parent with the late fee, and the confrontation was not pretty despite the whole ordeal not being my fault. I agree with you, I really don't like the confrontation and I don't like asking people to pay me. I know there's nothing wrong with that because I am providing a service, but I feel that I may be giving the impression that I only care about money. I know this is not at all the case, but it has prevented me from collecting money in the past. Unfortunately, I was taken advantage of by one client. This client had a habit of paying late every month, but they always did pay eventually. At one point, they gave me a check that bounced. I sent an email about it and they didn't reply. When I asked them in person, they denied ever getting the email and said they'll send me an e-transfer that day. I figured they're probably just embarrassed and don't want to admit it. After I received no e-transfer for a week, 
I sent another email to tell them I won't be returning until I get a payment. I never received a payment and I never heard from them again. And I taught this student for over two years. I think a different variation of the scenario where we could be more lenient is if a client is upfront and honest with you about having financial troubles. Sometimes families go through hard times and it can become difficult to continue paying for lessons. Depending on our own financial situations, we could choose to be lenient. Would you give a discount or accept late payments in this type of scenario? That's a tough one. I'm okay with receiving the payment late if they've communicated with me about it. In terms of discounts, I'm pretty reluctant to do so because I don't think it's fair to other students and of course it affects my income. I think instead of giving a discount to a struggling family, I may offer another type of solution like bi-weekly lessons or maybe a shorter lesson time. In my eyes, music lessons are more of a luxury than a necessity, so I don't think I would give a discount at this point in my career. Maybe in the future I'll feel differently. Yeah, that's a good point. We have to protect ourselves and our livelihood as well. As much as we would want to help out our students, we are running a business and we need to make a living. What about when a student discontinues lessons? Many teachers have a policy that requires two weeks or 30 day notice. Do you have this type of policy and how strict are you with enforcing it? I used to have a 30 day notice, but I actually removed it from my policy. In my opinion, once a student has decided that they're not going to continue, I don't see the point in continuing to teach them for another few weeks. I think it would be kind of awkward. This also seems like it would be really difficult to enforce, especially if they give you notice right before the start of a new month. What do you think? I agree that having a 30 day notice makes it difficult to navigate the relationship afterwards. It also makes it difficult for the client to time and navigate their departure. That being said, I think that those with TAC will be able to leave gracefully regardless of the advance notice. Nowadays, in my policy, I just ask for one week of advance notice, but I don't actually enforce it. I think of it more like a courtesy reminder. Depending on the situation, the parent and I might come to a healthy agreement to not take the following lesson and just end it over the phone. I have a one-week advance notice because sometimes students leave for unforeseen circumstances. And that advance notice allows the parent and I to plan for a final lesson to be like a goodbye lesson. For some students, especially the young ones, I think having this closure is important to them. Yeah, I agree. It's nice to kind of just wrap up the relationship and say goodbye instead of sort of an abrupt cutoff. All right, let's talk about some of our policies that are non-negotiable, something that we'll never be lenient on no matter what. So I'll go first. I have a policy that students are required to practice consistently and show up to lessons prepared. If a student is not doing this for an extended period of time, even after discussion with the parent, I will let them go. I find it much too draining to teach students that don't practice. Of course, sometimes a student who normally practices will go through a busy season of life. That I can understand, but a student who never practices cannot be a part of my studio. Another non-negotiable is a student who is constantly missing lessons, even if they pay me for the classes. I'm not interested in teaching a student who cannot commit to their weekly time. What about you, Michelle? Oh, I have too many. Like yourself, I have the same non-negotiable about practice and attendance. If they have a poor attitude or clearly just don't want to learn the piano, then I let them go. Honestly, though, I think I have more non-negotiables for the parents than the students. If the parent is consistently late with payments or coming to lessons or bringing their child to lessons, if they are disrespectful to me or my business, or if they give me unnecessary stress for an extended period of time that is not my fault, the parent and the student is let go. I do not care how great the student is, the second adult in this team of three people must work with me, not against me. 
From our discussion today, I think it's clear that it can be very tricky at times to figure out when we should bend our rules to accommodate our clients. While it can sometimes work in our favor and nurture our relationship with the family, other times it can end up with us being taken advantage of. I think the one thing we can agree on though is that we must start with a strict policy and leave the accommodations to much later in the relationship. Where do you stand on bending the rules in your studio policy? Do you have any non-negotiables? Let us know in the comments below. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe for more great podcast episodes. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and online at teachmusically.com. Until next time, happy teaching!